So, uh, good afternoon, everybody. Yeah, very brilliant weather here in Austria where I'm sitting. And uh, so this afternoon I'd like to uh, speak about the first Vipalasa, which is seeing what is impermanent anicca as, perma as permanent nietzsche. And, you know, as we have mentioned already earlier in the introduction, the basic meaning of confusion or delusion or ignorance is to believe that something is in a way that in fact it is not. And that's why, you know, meditation is more about letting go than, than about accumulating something. So it's letting go of this excess luggage to arrive at, at reality and there's a very beautiful uh, saying of Michelangelo he said he always saw in the block of marble he saw the sculpture already waiting and he felt he only needed to remove the excess stone and then the piece would be there it was already in there and he just helped it to be seen so to free the beauty and I think you know with us it's the same we have some extra uh, projections onto reality and we need to free the the beauty of reality through asking the right questions as you know Laura was guiding us uh, before lunch asking the right questions and also you know paying attention to certain features of experience we usually don't pay attention to and that's what the Dhamma is all about, you know, guiding us in this way of uh, looking at that which is normally easy overlooked. And, uh, you know, and in that way we are seeing through the net of delusion which is created by ignorance and held in place by those very uh, deep-seated patterns of uh, habit or uh, projection and you know some of them are more like personal hopes and fears and others are just a part of being born as a, as a human being so this is a uh, lots of layers and uh, they need to be uh, penetrated and uh, seen for what they are and then they're going to drop away once they have been seen clearly and the, the word vipalasa comes from the combination of the words vi, pari, asa, and that means turned upside down. And, uh, you know, different teachers, different translators have come up with different English words. And, for example, uh, Venerable Kubodi has translated the word vipalasa as inversions. And... Uh, Venerable Suchato as distortions and Joseph Goldstein as hallucinations and the very old translation you know, which was used 
at the beginning in which is not very suitable for this time was even perversions so different ways of expressing the fact that something is seen in a, in a completely different way than what it really is and these you know these four distortions they exist can exist on three different levels and there are three different levels of depths and those levels they are not hierarchical levels of depth but they are mutually interconnected with each other and because of that interconnection they hold each other in place and the first level the you know the least uh, the most superficial level let's say is uh, on the level of perception level of sanya and uh, this level is very much conditioned by, you know, our upbringing and, and by the way, you know, we live. And, you know, for example, a vulture, when a vulture sees a piece of rotten meat, a vulture feels like, oh, that's a, a great meal for me. Whereas a human being, if we see a, ro a rotten piece of meat, we turn away and oh, we don't want to have anything to do with it. So that kind of a level of perception and for us it can be, you know, walking in the forest and then we see a long dark piece of something on the floor and for a moment we think, oh, it's a snake and the body kind of jolts away and then you look again, oh, it's just a branch or just a, a piece of rope. Maybe you have experienced that before. So that would be Vipalasa on the level of perception. And then, you know, after this experience, you might, you know, go on through the forest, but then in your mind, you're not worrying about maybe there will be some snakes and I've heard somebody else has met the snake before and what's going to happen and so on. That would be then the second level, level of mind, chitta. So the fear of snakes, you know, continues and we start, uh, we continue thinking about it as we walk through the forest, but then you know, after 10, 15 minutes, it just peters out and it's gone. And then the next level is on the level of view, Ditti. That would be, you know, that we wouldn't want to even go further into the forest. We have such a strong kind of uh, a phobia, maybe even, you know, and not wanting to go. Even there might be people saying, you know, in this forest, there are no really poisonous snakes. You, you can just go. But even, you know, there is uh, very clear evidence that our fear is not really founded. We still can't let it go. We can't give it up. So that's a kind of, you know, then it's really etched into stone, so to say, and very deep. So that's those three levels. Level of perception, level of mind, and level of view. And of course, in a level of view, that's the most difficult to let go of. And, you know, if we want to break through the limitations of these four uh, distortions, you know, we have to pay attention to our experience in a particular way. And that is, you know, in the way of the four establishments of mindfulness. And, uh, you know, that's the, the basic framework of meditation, which is uh, given to us 
by the Buddha and you know looking at it in in terms of Anicca this is the first of the four Vipalasa and using impermanence as a Dhamma gate to step into a different way of looking at our experience instead of you know looking at things in in terms of liking or not liking we're just paying attention to the constant changingness of everything the flux and, and the flow and you know and when we are seeing correctly for the first time that's stream entry and that is you know when impermanence is for the first time clearly understood on a on a deep level and then uh, letting go happens the mind responds through letting go and at stream entry there is also a clear seeing of the third vipalasa um, seeing what is without a self anatta as a self this, this one is also broken through uh, at stream entry whereas the other two it comes later the fourth vipalasa is seen clearly at non-return and the second one the most tenacious one is uh, clearly seen at arahantship so this is you know we open a crack is opening and then this crack gets wider and wider every time you know one of the vipalasas are seen through the crack gets wider and wider and then it completely breaks apart and open the unconditioned so only arahan see things the way they truly are and mindfulness alone is really is not enough you know because we bend and filter what we see because craving distorts our perception, distorts our mind, distorts our view. And when Laura was speaking this morning, and when she was saying, uh, um, suggesting to us that we should ask ourselves the question, what am I telling myself about this object? So that's exactly, you know, even we are mindful, there could still be a lot of unconscious telling. So it's, it's important to question into that and it's not about changing anything but about paying attention and inquiring into what is seen and in terms of the first vipalasa it's you know really noticing impermanence noticing impermanence and the easiest way to do that is uh, paying attention to the process of breathing because the breath is nothing but change constant change it's a constant flux and seeing you know the beginning the middle and the end of the breath and then there's a bit of space and then the next impress is coming in and give you know room to that change and not holding on to anything because if you would just hold on to the impress and not allow the outpress to happen we will die 
but with other things you know we we have very strong preferences and attachments and wanting you know to nail things down and not wanting them to change and other things you know we don't want them at all we want them to go away immediately and just you know observing that and that is actually productive of dukkha of course you know because this constant changing process is nature doing its work and if we you know have a preference for just certain parts of it then that creates a lot of tension and that's you know dukkha for us so to really familiarize ourselves with that constant flux and flow that you know allows the mind to let go of craving it informs the mind about the way things truly are and then disenchantment you know sets in and and the literal translation of the word disenchantment in Pali is nibida the literal translation is not finding because when we really look we can't find an object we can only find constantly changing process and that's the insight really which leads to letting go that there are no unchanging objects which can be possessed which can be controlled but it's rather processes and once the mind has seen that really deep enough for example with stream entry then there is this letting go which is the mind responding to truth and that leads to dispassion viraga in Pali and the word viraga comes from the part from the word ranch which means to color and V is the opposite that means you know the coloring is let go of so seeing everything you know through a certain lens of pink or blue or whatever the coloring is and which distorts our view which distorts what we are seeing and through you know paying attention to impermanence that coloring is washed away because craving is washed away and uh, when craving is washed away there's less clinging less passion is clearer seeing and if we can see more clearly we can also see the ending of things that leads us to the next step which is in the Pali language Niroda or cessation endings being able to see endings and allowing endings to be what they are completing the picture by not you know being attached to beginnings not only you know wanting new things and fresh things and young things and you know babies and puppies and and lovely flowers but also acknowledging the fact you know flowers they wilt at one point and babies get also old and die at one point and puppies and kittens and all of that so see the whole picture that is really a healing you know a healing of wrong view and uh, 
And the cutting edge of that is to also, you know, reflect that even our own bodies, one day they will die. They will get old and die and go back to the elements. They only borrowed from the elements. Our bodies are like, you know, riding animals for consciousness, borrowed from the elements. And when the time comes, we need to give them back. That's the cutting edge of impermanence. And then, you know, if we have seen impermanence, dispassion, cessation, and then the last one is yeah, letting go. The mind responding with letting go. Because the mind is clear that it doesn't work, you know, to attach to that which is constantly changing. And when that is seen for the first time, that's the moment of stream entry. And uh, my first teacher, Ajahn Buddha Dasa, he always called that fourth step, the letting go. He always said, you know, throwing it all back to nature, the rightful owner. Because everything, you know, we have ever possessed or will ever possess is borrowed from nature, not only the bodies, but everything, our house, our car, our food, our computers, everything. It's only borrowed from nature. And, you know, if the mind is really able to open to this truth, then it does let go. Because this is the only sensible response to that truth. Because there's nothing to lose, really. Because we've never had anything, really, truly. But there is a lot to be gained by letting go. A lot of peace, wisdom, compassion, freedom. So, impermanence, you know, is the classic entrance gate into the Dhamma because it's so easily actually accessed. And our work is, you know, to allow that, which is quite easily seen any moment, but to really allow that to sink in so that we are changed through that. And meditation on impermanence is such a method, you know, how we can support that sinking in into the mind so that the mind will adjust to it and let go. And I can, you know, guide us now in a meditation that we can do exactly that. So find the posture
can feeling you know, the weight of the body on the cushion on the chair. earth element in the body, touching the earth element of the cushion of the chair, sense of gravity, and now we have really, you know, entered the retreat it's almost a whole day now that we are together. I can sense, you know, there's much more settledness now. And knowing that you are breathing in when you are breathing in and knowing that you are breathing out when you are breathing out. And also the space in between in-breath and out-breath. The breath is nothing but change. The constant exchange really. The trees provide us with oxygen and what we breathe out the trees can use for building their substance. The perfect symbiosis which can only work because of change. So giving room to that change and you know paying attention particularly to the change in all of this.
having no agenda besides that fluidity not rejecting not getting involved with it but just noticing changingness No one is in charge, no one is in control. And if you feel a bit tired, please open your eyes and take a deep breath. With just awareness without judging, just allowing experience as it is. Because if we pay attention to the changingness that lights up the true nature of phenomena. So instead of getting you know lost in the content we are paying attention to the structure not thinking about breathing but paying attention to the structure of the breathing process which is a constant change And you know, to sustain that openness, that's uh, the medicine really against dukkha. All experiences display impermanence. That's why they can't yield lasting satisfaction. That's why they are non-satisfactory. It's not because there's anything wrong with objects or experiences, but just simply because they are not things, but they are processes our bodies, our cars, our mountains and houses and flowers, everything. That's just the way things are.
And if that is really, really seen deeply and come back to again and again, then uh, this passion starts to manifest. So impermanence, you know, the perception or the seeing of impermanence washes away the craving, washes away the passion, the attachment, the clinging. is peaceful and calm And the body and the mind are settling more into the present. Not anymore, you know, hanging into the future or leaning into the past, but just being really settled and grounded in the present. And being really in the present, that can only really happen if there is a certain sense of dispassion. And the more dispassion there is, the more we are at ease with endings. We can allow endings end of a breath, end of a thought, end of a feeling, tone, end of a dream. All things are bound to end at one point. And there can be peace with that truth. And maybe in a moment we can allow ourselves to consider, you know, with the in-breath, this could be my last breath. And relax with the out-breath. Relaxing into space. Then with the in-breath again, this could be my last breath. 
and letting go with the out-breath. So gradually learning, you know, that endings are also part of life. Birth and death both belongs to life. Beginnings and endings. And it's a sense of completion, a sense of healing of seeing the whole picture. It's a relief really, no longer running away from endings. They are part of it. Endings allow new beginnings. Coming more alive by seeing the whole picture. And the mind responds with letting go. So, this is the whole sequence, you know, seeing impermanence leads to dispassion, leads to cessation leads to letting go. And that's the fourth tetrad of the Anapanasati instructions, the mindfulness with breathing instructions, the steps 12 to 16. That's like a classic uh, theme in Buddhist meditation, which can be combined with many meditations. You know, it's always very fruitful to consider at the end of a sitting, whatever you know the sitting was all about, it was metta or looking at the body or any kind of meditation to bring in that sequence of impermanence, dispassion, cessation, letting go. That is crucial for realizing freedom. So, you know, providing a clearing so that the mind can eventually take the plunge into the unconditioned, really. The supreme peace and happiness of Nibbana, how it's, it's called in the scriptures. So this, you know, last tetra, these four steps are incredibly important in the teaching. It's a very handy toolkit you can take with you wherever you go. Because all phenomena display impermanence. There is none which do not. You can take that with you. 
wherever you go, it's always there. You just need to pay attention to it. And that's, you know, what we'd like to train ourselves in, that we are not getting lost in the content of our experience, but that we can see clearly the structure. And so that we are having more space around the experience, more ease, and also, you know, more capacity for seeing clearly. And that uh, you know, leads to letting go of clinging. And, uh, you know, not clinging is the opposite of dukkha. And, you know, that's also one of the, the parasa, the second one. We'll speak about that tomorrow. And that's also why the breath is such a suitable meditation object because it really, you know, it's, it's a way to settle the mind and still the mind. And on the other hand, also at the same time, we are constantly paying attention to impermanence because the breath is such a good medium to show us impermanence every moment. And then also we are noticing, you know, how precious this life is because we don't know how long it will last in not squandering this precious opportunity. And doing something meaningful with it. Contributing to our own good and to the good of others. So on for the remainder of the time, about 20 minutes left, you can sit on your own and I'll ring the bell then.
So about two minutes, I'm going to ring the bell. So I also like to give you some suggestions for consideration during the so-called breaks, you know, which are actually no real breaks because life is going on and the four vipalas are operating, no matter if we are in formal meditation or not. And you know, I'd like to give a pointer in regards to what we were just looking at impermanence and uh, something really simple uh, you know paying attention to the constant changing of posture you know and how we are constantly you know trying to make it better basically and then we find a posture and we can't really stay for long and then there is again this idea you know we need to it's going to be better in a different way and just noticing that, you know, how that quickly that comes to mind and not immediately reacting. Just giving it a little bit of time to just see how it builds up and, uh, you know, sometimes maybe nothing needs to be done. And sometimes very well, you know, it makes a lot of sense because we don't want to harm our bodies. That's not the point, you know, but seeing the knee-jerk reaction immediately you know we we're gonna do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and just seeing that uh, strong you know pushing of the mind really and sometimes it's just because the mind can't be with just being as it is wants to just have 
some semblance of control really and just seeing that and it's neither good nor bad it's just what it is but knowing it you know the all of the practice is all about knowing those uh, different processes and not judging it but knowing it and uh, from that place of knowing choosing how to respond rather than react and that's also where the word responsibility comes from you know taking responsibility responding in a wholesome manner and not just like out of habit thank you for listening to learn how you can support the teachers and dharma seed please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate